So let me just, re I'll read the question and then maybe collectively we can sort of figure it out. Because it is kind of, it is a confusing thing to sort of know what's all the moving parts. Uh, it says air, air pollution is, air pollution is higher in places with a higher proportion of paved ground relative to grassy ground. Give a confounding variable that may help to account for this association. And so the answer you gave was what? Do you remember? Uh, I, uh, okay. You want me to read? It? I, like the way I answered it was like I guess you were trying to say like, all right, the reason why it's probably more polluted than the like the grassier area. I mean, more polluted than um, paved grade or whatever stuff. Uh huh. It's industrialized. Uh huh. Uh huh. In comparison to grassy grounds in the country. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That's how I answered. Yep. Yep. No, that's exactly what it is. Chris? I said, like, more cars pass through paved roads, which would create more pollution than anything that they would, because not many cars will go through the grass. Yeah. Yep. So, and even, like, in that, I mean, uh, it's they're being kind of vague, or I guess the, what's the variable that they're, they're measuring? They're measuring air pollution, and then what's the other uh, variable that they're looking at? Like, what's the characteristic of the community that they're measuring? Uh-huh. Paved, um, paved ground or grassy ground. So, yeah, <laughs> that's where they're being kind of vague. It's sort of like the, the proportion of roads in the community is associated with the, with the amount of pollution in, in the town. And so um, what they're really saying is sort of if you have a lot more driving going on, a lot more cars, probably in an urban area or an industrialized area. That's how I answered. Yep. So, but then the confusion, so you answered correctly. Yeah, I guess because the question was so simple, I kept over Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So, and, and I think in general, what, what they're, what's important to understand is like, someone might be claiming here's an association and this is causing this, mm -hmm. and as sociologists, and statisticians, we need to be able to say, well, what are other variables or other factors that might be causing this or associated with this that they're not taking into account? So, so it's basically to get you thinking, what are the other factors that they're not really accounting for? Any other questions with, with part one? Okay, then with, um, with part two, I'll have each of you um, Share, share one of the variables that's associated with one of your original variables and explain why you think there's, there could be a possible association. So we'll start with Chelsea in the back. Um, I think one of Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hmm. So, and what is, the, what is the suicide question? Um, one of them is, um, whether you think it's okay for someone to take their own life because they're bankrupt. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, whether it's okay for someone to take their own life because they're bankrupt or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's good. Brittany? Um, on for the abortion, like, if you think it's okay to have an abortion, uh -huh. I, I don't thought, like, 
Very good. Yeah, that's very good. That's a good one. I think I think one of them was uh, the I did the uh, two books like Obama and McCain. Uh huh. And I did the one with like the father's income. Oh, okay. So his income is income associated with whether you vote for Obama or McCain. So in the GSS, it has a, a question of who you voted for in the presidential election, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like Preso Okay, Preso Eight. Okay, great. Tim. Um, I, had, I had, um, the question I had um, from previous did your family income from all sources fall ration before taxes? Uh-huh. And um, I just associated with, like, um, this one called Earn RS. Uh -huh. It's just, like, think about your family now. There's people in your household who are late. You know, how many persons in the family, including yourself, earned money from last year? Oh, okay. Whatever. So, like, um, the variable, obviously, that's just income. Yeah. And they're associated because all those people that either work before or are currently working. Uh-huh. they're just trying to, like, see how much income. So if you have more people in the household who are earning income, would that would that be associated with a higher income? Overall income is what you're saying? Yeah, that's good. Okay. I don't have the second priority. Oh, okay, okay. That's right. She had uh, internet ills. So, can you, well, you can still think of one. Pick one of your variables and uh, and make up a variable that you think is associated. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to let you get off that easy. <laughs> um, one of the variables was, have you ever tried to give up smoking? Uh-huh. And you could look at their age. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be good. So there would be an association. And what would you think, explain why you think there would be an association? Um, if, I feel like if you would, um, if you were older, it would be harder to quit. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It also depends on how long you've been smoking, right. too. So, yeah, that's good. McKay had a, she found an interesting variable, um, grass, which I thought was funny. Or that's the name of the variable. And then it's, it's have you used marijuana or something like that? Yeah. So, but I, I actually know the people who name these variables, and they're, they're just, they're faculty at universities around the country. And so, you know, and whenever they come up with a new variable, they need to create a variable name for it. And so, I bet you at some point they have fun thinking, oh, this would be a fun name. <laughs> some of them are just random and just kind of weird, um, and they don't really even make intuitive sense, but some then are like, oh, that's good. I'll remember that one. So, okay. Uh, what I had was about the single parents and whether they can raise kids as good as one. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, as good as two. Yeah. And uh, I thought another variable could be, like, their income and, like, if they could support. Uh-huh. So this would be, the respondent would, was asked, um, do you think single parents can raise kids just as well as um, two-parent yeah. households? Um, and then you look at the income. Now, is the person who's answering, are they a single parent? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Okay, or, but it might not be because the question is just more of an attitude or belief uh, like question. She, yeah. So, so and that's an important thing to look at. And, and that's why sort of we look at, at the actual question to see, is this talking about a person who's a single parent or just your beliefs about single parenting? So 
and even like with, with income, that's an important one to look at because there's probably like 20 different income variables. Um, some is like, what is your income in the last year? Uh, what is your income in real dollars, which is sort of accounts for inflation? What's your household income? And then there's one I looked at, it's like income, and I looked at the mean income value and it was like, I don't know, $25,000 or something. I was like, that's just not right. And then I looked at it and you look at the different categories of options and it only went up to 25,000. And the last category was 25,000 or more. And so anyways, as, as we go down this path, you'll want to sort of scrutinize your variable to make sure that it's measuring what you think it's measuring. Because just because it says income doesn't necessarily mean it's the type of income that you're thinking about. So, um, but that's good. I mean, I'm glad you guys, you guys are introducing me to new variables. I mean, there's obviously tons of variables in there, so um, you're finding good ones. Uh, so today's uh, lecture is focused on describing data. And um, to me, this is probably one of the, I guess, more interesting sides of it, because you actually get to see um, what's going on with these variables of interest, like what proportion of, of people think that single parents um, can raise a kid just as well as two parents, or um, so, you, so all these variables, you're kind of like, well, it's a really interesting question, but what is reality? What is it, um, you know, what's the general proportion in the U.S. population who falls in this camp versus this camp? And um, so the two types of variables that we've been looking at throughout are uh, categorical variables and quantitative variables. And that's really the two, those are the two types of variables that, that you'll ever be working with, um, at least in this course. And um, there's, there's different ways of, of describing those two variables. But to, to first just look at the, the big picture, again, we have population. What's the, uh, the letter that represents population? Capital N, good. And then we do a, what type of uh, sampling do we do from the population? Yeah. Random sampling, excellent. So we do a random sampling, and so we get a, a sample that's reflective of the population, and then, and then from the sample, we can make inferences about the larger population. And so the first step when we get a sample is um, it's called exploratory data analysis. And you guys have already been doing this by just sort of grabbing variables and beginning to explore what's the variable question, what are the, the different responses that they can give. Um, but then we're going to move into a more quantitative uh, exploration of this, of this sample. And um, so uh, in the, the field is called descriptive statistics. And, it's, um, and the purpose of it is to make sense of the data. Um, we need to summarize and visualize it. And so um, with, uh, with like income, let's say, you want to be able to look at all the different values and sort of summarize what, what the values are. Like what's the range of the values? What's the, the maximum value? Um, and also there's ways to visualize it by sort of charting it or doing pie charts or bar graphs and things like that. Um, and it's basically, again, it goes back to exploratory data analysis. You're exploring the data, just finding out what's there, what's reality. Um, let's see. And again, it's, it's, um, you have to, the types of statistics that you, that you get depend on whether it's a categorical variable or a quantitative. And so I'll walk you through those two pathways, like one for 
for categorical and one for quantitative. Um, so, for example, I'm going to take my own research. Um, this is, uh, uh, for my dissertation, uh, I'm looking at community coalitions uh, throughout the country. And these are um, coalitions of like, community uh, organizations that work together. So in, let's see, right here is, is that Durham, North Carolina is right there. And there's a group called Durham CAN, which is a coalition of organizations that work together to, in a sense, better the community or address social issues in the community. And so my study looked at 175 of these types of organizations. And, and one of the things that I measured or talked talk to was the director of all these organizations. And so I gathered a bunch of data on the directors of these groups. And so then I need to explore the data that I collected. And so one of the questions I asked was, um, what is your race or ethnicity? So this was asked of each director, what's your race or ethnicity? And so um, this is a, a categorical variable um, because there's different categories that they could fall into. So then um, the, the question would be, uh, for descriptive statistics, is display the number or proportion of cases that fall into each category. And so there's a, a variety of ways of doing it. One, and so I'm going to show you probably four or five different ways to sort of display the data. So the first is a frequency table. Um, and it shows the number of cases that fall into each category. And so the question is, what is your race or ethnicity? The number, total number of people was 175. And then here's the breakdown. Um, 111 were white, 29 black, 29 Hispanic, 2 Asian for other. And so um, frequency is um, another word for number, in a sense. I mean, like, how frequent does um, white people show up in your sample? Or how frequent uh, is there black people in your sample? And so frequency is, um, to me, sometimes it's a confusing term. It's like, well, that's isn't that a radio frequency or something? But really, in statistics, it's how frequent uh, does this phenomena occur? Um, so then kind of a, a key statistic that we're interested in, especially in this course, would be the sample proportion. And so, and this is probably a, a key thing to sort of lock your mind on, because we're gonna, this will come up throughout the rest of the course. Um, so we're looking at proportion. And right now, we're looking at the sample proportion. Why would it be called the sample proportion? Okay, yes, so it's, it's the proportion within our sample that we have. Okay. So, um, so and, and, because, and that's important because we're we're, we, we gather data on the sample, but then we make inferences about the whole population, and so we need to differentiate between sort of the sample proportion and then what's the true proportion in the whole population. So, and this will get really confusing if you don't, make this distinction because you'll be thinking, oh, I'm just finding proportion. And you'll sort of make it, you'll try and have it be interchangeable, and it's not. So um, always look for, am I talking about the sample proportion or the larger population proportion? And so then the way it's notated, um, this is called p hat. So um, even as you're, you're reading it or, you know, uh, 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 you can just sort of say p hat versus p if you're wondering what is what am I talking about? Um, say p hat, and it has a little hat 
but it basically takes the number of cases in each category and divides by the total number of cases so you have the proportion um, for each category. And so here's frequency table. Um, the sample proportion of directors who are white, what would you guys say? Just in, you don't have to give me the, give me the fraction. One eleven over one twenty five. Good. So hey, look at you did that. Um, so and it's point six three is the proportion, or you can say sixty three percent of the sample is white. Um, but basically, this is just sort of giving us a sense of um, the the breakdown of of categories of race. Um, they can be used interchangeably. So then there's a so what I showed you first was a frequency table. The next uh, step up would be a relative frequency table. And it shows the proportion of cases, it shows the relative proportions. And so, so just as we did with, with the white category, we do the same with black, Hispanic, Asian, and other. And so um, what this does is sort of, it gives you a sense of um, how big each category is relative to each other. Because sometimes if you just look at raw numbers, it's hard to know sort of a, you know, is it four times bigger or, or um, five times bigger? And so this will sort of give you a sense of, relative to one another, um, the proportions. And these numbers will all sum to one. So, you know, it represents 100% of the sample. Uh, the next, next way to display or visualize uh, a categorical variable would be a bar chart. And this is probably familiar and similar. Um, with each, um, each bar, it's almost, I mean, the best way for me to think about it is um, think of these as buckets, um, and you're dropping, in, and you have a bunch of balls, and each balls represent the race, and so you, oh, you hold up the ball, and it says white, so you drop it in the white bucket, um, and then you fill it up, and, and every ball is, is a person in your sample, and so then, you know, the, as it fills up, and it, the total number is 111, it just lets you know there's 111 people who are in the white category. Um, and same with black, Hispanic, and Asian. Another way to, to visually dis, um, display your data would be a pie chart. And um, basically, it takes the proportions and, and breaks them down. Um, and then, OK. so. So then the, the so these are just sort of quick ways for you to sort of visualize your data. Um, for you guys, what what's um, more helpful? If I if I came up and I said, hey, I want to tell you about the breakdown of race of these directors that I'm studying. Uh, do you like this? Is this visually helpful in explaining sort of the breakdown of race, or is this pie chart? Pie chart. Why? Different. Different colors, okay. <laughs> That's good, Chelsea. It is um, actual percentages. Okay, yeah. What were you gonna say? I just think visually. Visually. They tell you the same information, but uh -huh. it's just more visually appealing. Yeah, yeah. So, and even there's, this is another way to sort of visually show it numerically. Um, but so the reason I ask is um, every variable. Um, will have a different visual display that's more helpful. Um, so even like the first example with the maps, with the map of the US, that was a visual display of data that was showing all of the um, people that, organizations that were sampled. 
Um, so, and part of your research project will be giving a visual display of your data. And so it isn't just sort of, oh, which one's the right one to do? It's more sort of have a, a reason or an argument for why you chose to use a pie chart versus a bar chart. And really, it depends on the variable. And we're going to look at other variables where it's actually more helpful to do it in a bar chart. Um, but this is just sort of letting you know what's out there so that you can say, OK, ooh, I think it would look really cool this way or be really informative. Because the, the main idea is just to help explain your data and what's going on. And this one is kind of interesting because it's like, wow, there's a lot more white people compared to all the rest. And I guess the, the, the pie chart does that too. But So you just want to sort of have different characteristics of your data stand out visually um, through the way you represent it. Um, so then the next um, type of display of data would be um, when you have two categorical variables. And so you're looking at the relationship between two categorical variables. And so um, the two that, that I'm going to choose are race, ethnicity, and gender. So we, we just saw the, the racial breakdown of the directors. Now we're going to look at um, sort of what's the racial breakdown by gender and by race. And so um, the way that, that sort of the way that you begin to explore this data is called a two-way table. And so the, the top row would be um, one of your variables, which is gender, and then the column would be uh, your other variable, which is race. Um, and it doesn't matter which one's on the row, which one's on the column. So if we were going to look at this, um, and my question was, what proportion of female directors are Hispanic? Um, I want you all to write, write this down, and then I'm going to ask some of you, one of you to give me an answer. Or no, I'll get, have all of you do it. So what proportion of female directors are Hispanic? It's not as easy as it appears. Does someone want to take a stab at it? Britain? C. OK, and how did you get that? Uh huh. Perfect. So let's see. So yeah, so look, so we do, we're talking about female directors, so it's a subset of the sample. Um, and so 12 over 81. So yeah, I think that's sort of a key thing in thinking about this. Like, when I first did it, I was like, OK, number of female Hispanic, 12 over 175. But that's sort of the number of, what does that tell you? 12 over 175 tells you what? The whole sample, yeah. That's good. So then, um, what proportion of Hispanic directors are female? Chris. A. So we do that. Boom, you got it. Good. OK, so what's interesting is the proportion of female directors that are Hispanic um, does not equal the proportion of Hispanic directors that are female. And so the reason why I kind of highlight this is um, 
you could be just, you know, say this is a question on an exam, and you're just sort of reading through, oh, okay, I got it, and boom, 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 you, you write down the answer. But just by switching the words around, I mean, it's all the same words in both equations, but um, they're looking at different subsets. And so it's just important to sort of say, okay, what is the group that I'm actually measuring? Um, so you don't just sort of make um, a, a dumb mistake just by going through too fast. Um, and then we already did this. What proportion of directors are female and Hispanic? Um, and that basically looks at female and Hispanic with the total population of 175 and be 12 over 175. So, but basically, the, using a two-way table sort of helps you sort of get all the data together to make an easy uh, calculation of, of what the proportions of different subgroups are. Um, another way to, to look at two categorical variables would be uh, a side-by-side -side bar chart. And, and similar to the, to the first bar chart that we looked at, um, the height of each bar corresponds to the number of cases, um, but it also shows you um, sort of relative for the other category of gender, how, how it breaks down. And then, so okay, this is in, so you can, so along the bottom here, you have one variable, which is race, and then you're comparing uh, gender across each of, each of the races. Another way to do it is along the bottom have um, gender, and then compare uh, races across gender. And so, Again, the, the question for you as the researcher is, is to think, okay, what, um, what display sort of gives the best representation? Uh, a final one would be called a segmented bar chart, and that just sort of stacks, stacks it up on top of each other. Um, so, and, and even um, this data is not particularly interesting on this level because the gender breakdown is pretty, pretty even. Um, what, what thing do you notice, just by looking at this one, um, what do you notice about differences um, in gender by race? When you look at this, what's one observation that you pull out? Um, the black and Hispanic kind of equal for female and male. Uh huh. They look about the same size. Yeah. Size. Yep. Yeah, that's good. And whereas with the, the, the proportion of uh, female Hispanic directors is, is smaller than the proportion of male Hispanic. Um, so yeah, I mean, and again, it's just when you're thinking about your research project, you're like, oh, wait, here, you know, it's by, by visually displaying it that you'll be like, oh, wow, this is interesting. You know, when you, when you look at race in general, you're like, okay, yeah, white, there's a lot more white people than uh, black and Hispanic. But then it could be if you look at gender, you'll see something very different. Or if you look at um, gender and income, or um, gender and education, you'll begin to see patterns that, okay, this is something that I should sort of pursue or figure out why is this going on. Um, and so then after we, we have one categorical variable, and then we look at the relationship between uh, two categorical variables, and then the next is to look at um, the difference in proportions. And um, so this gets kind of confusing, at least I think. So we have uh, different, the difference in proportions for one categorical variable is um, 
for example, the proportion who are Hispanic. Um, and then calculate that for the different levels of another categorical variable, say gender. So difference in proportions is always working with two categorical variables. So you can't have a difference in proportions for just race. And, and I guess that's, it can be a little bit confusing because you're thinking, oh, well, what's the difference between black and white? That's not, that's not talking about differences in proportions. Um, what, what this is talking about is you take a, a variable like race, and then what's the difference in proportions of, across another variable uh, like gender? Um, and so then I'll, I'll walk through this. But um, what is the difference in proportion of male directors who are Hispanic and female directors who are Hispanic? So um, this is where we start getting into beginning to do math. So, um, but what is this called? P hat. P hat. And then what do you think these two things indicate? Male Hispanic. So, so this is a, a shorthand way of saying the sample proportion of male directors who are Hispanic. And again, this is really important, sample proportion. And then P hat FH <coughs> is the sample proportion of female directors who are Hispanic. Um, now, remember when we were calculating proportions, if we switch this around, if we said the sample proportion of Hispanic directors who are male, that's going to be a different proportion. So that's why it gets, it can get sort of confusing pretty quickly. Um, so it's important to make sure sort of what you're stating is actually what you're measuring. Um, and then the difference in proportions would be um, male directors who are Hispanic minus the proportion of female directors who are Hispanic. So if we want to calculate this, um, what is the difference in gender proportions among Hispanic directors? Um, so it's going to be this equation, which is also stated this way. OK, so then um, the proportion of male directors who are Hispanic is going to be 17 over 94. And then the proportion of female directors who are Hispanic is 12 over 81. And then the difference in proportions is going to be 0 0.033. So um, that's sort of like the basic mechanics of it. And this is something that we'll be using um, throughout the rest of this course. So it's good to, it isn't just sort of like, oh, that's, that's neat. But it's more so, OK, how did that work? Because you're gonna, this is going to be coming up over and over again, because often, a question that you ask in, in sociology is, is the difference in proportions um, a significant difference? Like, is, there, um, is the proportion of male directors who are Hispanic significantly different from the proportion of female directors who are Hispanic? And so looking at this, um, does, does the difference in proportions, um, would you say that's large or small, or I don't know? small. So it's like, um, in, in a way of thinking about it, it's uh, the difference is about 3%, you know, 3 percentage point. Whereas, let's say it was um, the proportion of male directors who are Hispanic is, is really large, and the proportion of female directors who are Hispanic is really small. It's like, wow, there's a big difference amongst um, Hispanic. Yeah. Can, um, uh, 
No, so it can be negative, and, and, but it's just going to be the opposite. Right. So like if, if we flip this around, it would be negative 0.033. Right. So it doesn't matter. But, and, and, but I guess what, what matters is sort of how you're framing your question um, is the important thing. Like if, if your question is, um, uh, is the difference in proportion of, of female directors less um, Yes, the proportion of female directors less than male directors. You just want to make sure you have your signs right. Um, so, so again, this is how we're using the two-way table to calculate the differences in proportions. And so, um, you know, I would say, in a sense, after class, if you're, and there'll probably be an assignment on this, but make sure you understand this and how how this was all calculated. Um, so that, that covers categorical variables. Then the other type of variable is the quantitative variable. And it says, when describing quantitative variables, uh, we're interested in the distribution of values. Um, any idea what distribution of values means? Uh -oh. All right. Go There's for it. Sounds like geometry, okay. I remember like the distributive. Um, oh, distributive? Uh huh, uh huh. Is, is that what this is? Yeah, there's, 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 uh, there's well, similarity to that. Okay, no, that's good. Burton, you will follow. It kind of, I don't know, I think of all those really great charts you put, like, I don't the box and line. I think it was like the box plot? Yeah, well, it just like shows, because like, if you just take the mean of a quantitative uh -huh. it might not show exactly what this is. Uh -huh. The average income might be one number, but if you look at the spread of it, you might realize that certain factors are pulling that down or bringing uh -huh. it up. Yep. It's not really the true average compared to, like, I mean, technically it's a true average, but it's not representative. Yeah, it only tells you sort of one characteristic right. of the data. Um, and so the distribution of values is sort of, um, uh, if you have a, a field, it's sort of, and, and, it's a, and the x-axis is, is some numeric value. It's sort of where are all the values distributed along that x-axis. And so in some cases, it could be all stacked on this side. In some, it could be really spread out. Um, but it's basically every respondent has a value for that variable. So if it's age, um, oh, that's a good one. We'll say, like, in this classroom, how would the um, ages of, of you guys be distributed? Like, would it be all within one sort of tight range, or would it be, you know, kind of all throughout? Which one would it be? A tight range, yeah. Whereas if, um, if we walked into the city of Durham, what would be the distribution of, of age values? It'd be all spread out. So it's basically, how are the values distributed uh, along the x-axis? Um, but that's sort of a key thing to conceptualize, because this word will come up a ton, um, distribution of values. Um, again, because a lot of times when I think of distribution, I think of UPS or something in, in their distribution services and how they're delivering products. And it's like, that's not helpful. What's more helpful is sort of how are things distributed, uh, how are the values distributed along the x-axis. And, and the key things that you'll use throughout this course is what is the shape of the distribution, what's the center of the distribution, 
and then also what's the spread of the distribution. And there's ways to, to measure each of those. Um, so the shape is the form of the distribution of values. It's just, it's kind of, that's more intuitive. What is, when you map out all the values, what type of shape um, do they take? Uh, the center would be basically the main peak, um, sort of like where the most values are stacked up. And then the spread, um, this one's a little bit more confusing, relative deviation of the values. Anyone, can someone take a stab at um, what that's uh, saying? The relative deviation of the values. The what? How, how, how so? Okay, that's what DV, oh DV, yeah. <laughs> that's good, that's good. What's another, what's another um, uh, synonym for deviate? Decline? Well, be, beyond decline. If I have deviant behavior, what is that? Yeah, it's sort of. Yeah. Yep, yep. And so then, uh, Chelsea? I was going to say that um, it's not what she was predicting it was going to be like, it was something Okay, okay. That's, that's a good way of, of, of thinking about it. Um, so if, if um, the, the values, um, so again, these are values, so we can use age. If the values deviate a lot from each other, because it's relative uh, deviation, so if they deviate a lot from each other, what is that sort of implying? Yeah, exactly. So if there's, there's in a sense, a large deviation, that means they're going to be um, spread out. Whereas if there's very li little deviation, like in this classroom, it means gonna, it's going to be really tight. And these are, again, the values of the variable that we're looking at. Um, so then there's, um, so for this one, we're going to look at data from the student survey. So again, I'm going to show you about four or five different ways to represent um, quantitative variables. And the first is a dot plot. And basically what this is, it's, it's kind of like um, the bucket thing again. It's basically each, each person has, a value, has one value for that variable. And, um, and so this, is, um, this question was number of text messages sent yesterday. And so, um, so people could respond. The number along the x-axis is the number of text messages sent. And then each dot represents a person who um, fell into that category. So um, let's see. How many people, well, you guys can't count it, but it's about 10 people in the sample sent zero texts the previous day. Um, and so basically, this sort of gives you a sense of visually where, what's the distribution of the values. Um, another way of doing it is with a histogram. Um, so basically, it's again sort of the, the bucket thing. But so it's, it's quantitative in the sense that, um, well, and I'll go through this later. But, um, but basically, this gives you a sense of different ways of visually displaying quantitative data. What I was going to say is, oh yeah, here it is, GPA. Now, the buckets here are, are um, if, you, if you think about GPA, there's an infinite number of values you can have for GPA. And so and if you're going to sort of plot it, 
and you just sort of took everyone's GPA, you'd have one dot for each of these different values, and so it'd be a flat distribution. You'd be like, well, let's let's combine these together. And so you'll often do this um, where you'll sort of create categories. So you'll say, okay, between 2.6 and 2.8 is going to be one group. So any, any value that falls within that range, we're going to put it in that category. So you almost, in a sense, turn it into a categorical variable. Um, but the main difference is that um, the, the intervals are all stacked on each other. So like with, with, um, with race, you have clearly distinct groups. Like you have white, black, Hispanic. With, with this, it's just you have intervals. So if you fall within this range, you fall in this bucket. If you fall in this range, you're in the next one. And the, way, the reason for doing that is so you can begin to see sort of how, it's, how the grades are distributed um, across. So this actually, you'll end up doing a lot. Because even if you think about um, age, you know, you might say I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old, but technically, you know, you're 20 years, 3 months, and 14 days. Or if you even go down further, you're 20 years, 3 months, 14 days, 6 hours. And so everyone would sort of have their own little bin. So what you end up doing is, okay, you round off to the nearest year. And so that's a way. Same with income and a lot of other um, quantitative variables. So yeah, this says, you create bins or value intervals and place each case in the appropriate bin based on its value, value for the variable of interest. Um, and then the height of each bar corresponds to the number of cases that have values falling within that interval. Um, and so then this is just going to do a, a quick different, there's a difference between bar charts and histograms. Um, Although they look similar, they're, they're not the same. A histogram is not the same as a bar chart. Uh, a bar chart is for categorical data, and the x-axis has no numerical scale. And so this is sort of an important distinction. With the bar chart, um, there's not a numeric uh, scale on the x-axis. It's just sort of the, the categories from your variable. Whereas with a histogram, the x-axis is going to have real quantitative values. Um, and so it says a histogram is, is for quantitative data, and the x-axis is numeric. Uh, for a categorical variable, the number of bars equals the number of categories. Um, so that's an important thing. So like with the race variable, it was categorical, and the, you had five categories that you could fall into. And so that's the number of bars you're going to have. Whereas for quantitative variables, the number of bars or bins in a histogram is up to you. So you might say, I want to clump people, you know, if, if it's in this class, I might say, I was doing age, I might say, I want to do year and months so that I can actually see some, some variation. Um, but with a larger group, like Durham, I might say, let's do 10-year increments. Um, and so the number of bars that I'll have will depend on how I set up the intervals. And again, a lot of this sometimes is just so that you can visually sort of explore your data. So you can sort of see, wow, there's, it's very different. Depending on the number of bars you pick or number of bins, it's going to look differently. And so, um, so it's, again, just sort of a way to explore your data and see what's going on. Um, then the last thing is, um, is uh, the shape, or, or the first would be the, the shape. And so different, um, 
different distributions have different shapes. Um, the first one, and this is sleep, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? Um, and the shape is considered symmetric. And basically, symmetric means if you sort of found the center, and what's on the right side is, is symmetric with what's on the left side. So it's sort of um, a symmetric distribution. Whereas um, this, this distribution would be considered right skewed. And, um, and it's right skewed because there's a long right tail. And it, another way of thinking about right skewed is like, in which direction is the data stretched? And so it's stretched out to the right. So it's sort of being pulled out. So it's skewed out to the right. Um, so, and again, this variable is exercise. How many hours do you exercise in a week? Um, one person, or there's, there's a, a group out here that exercises over 10 hours a week, and they're sort of pulling the distribution out um, to the right. And the other thing would be left skewed. Um, the data is sort of being stretched to the left. Um, and again, that's with GPA. And so a lot of times, some of this is intuitive, or you can sort of, it, it makes sense when you look at it this way. Um, and it's also a good sort of corrective. If you, if you see your, your data and you're like, wow, that seems strange. That's, you know, say this was flipped around, you're like, why does everyone have like below a three, you know, 3.0? Like, what's going on here? Something must not be right. So it's a way to sort of check your data. Okay, then, so we did shape. The next one is the measures of center. And there's a couple of different ways of looking at that. And we'll watch a, a quick video on sort of the wonders of the average. As a statistician, the most well-used item in my toolkit is the Hummel average. It's the simplest but most powerful way to get a ready handle on a mass of confusing media. What's so great about an average is that you can take a whole mass of data and reduce it to a single number. And though each of us is unique, our collective lives produce averages that can characterize whole populations. I looked in my local newspaper one week and saw a pensioner had accidentally put her foot on the accelerator and crushed her friend against a wall. Devastating, hideous, horrible thing to happen. And then there was a second one about a young man who didn't have a driving license, was driving a car under the influence of drugs and alcohol, and he bashed into a pedestrian was remarkable, absolutely remarkable. If you look at the number of people who die each year in traffic crashes, it's nearly a constant. What? All these individual events, somehow when you sum them all up, there's the same number every year. And every year, two and a half times as many men die in traffic crashes as women, and it's a constant. And every year, the rate in Belgium is double the rate in England. There are these remarkable regularities so that these individual particular events sum up, sum up into a social phenomenon. Let's see what Sweden have done. We used to boast about fast social progress. That's where we were. In my lectures, to tell stories about the changing world, I use the averages from entire countries whether the average of income, child mortality, family size, or carbon output. Okay, I'll give you Singapore, the year I was born. 
Singapore had twice the child mortality of Sweden. It's the most tropical country in the world, a marshland on the equator, and here we go. It took a little time for them to get independent, but then they started to grow their economy, and they made the social investment. They got away malaria. They got a magnificent health system that beated both US and Sweden. We never thought it would happen that they would win over Sweden. <laughs> averages are, they don't tell you the whole story. On average, Swedish people have slightly less than two legs. This is because a few people only have one leg or no legs, and no one has three legs. So almost everybody in Sweden has more than the average number of legs. The variation in data is just as important as the average. So I think he has a, a cool voice and it's very animated. What? <laughs> uh, from Sweden. So he actually has a ton of like uh, of these clips of basically ways to visualize data um, on a on a global national scale, which is I think it ends up being interesting when you're like kind of bored with statistics. Um, so um, as we're so measures of center, and in particular the mean or the average, is going to be, again, a central theme throughout this course. And so understanding it and understanding how, how we're measuring it and how we're getting it is important. Um, so, the, so I'm going to go, go through some quick notation. Um, the sample size is the number of cases in the sample. It's denoted by small n, which we've already gone over. Um, a variable is uh, often donated denoted by the, the letter X, and then um, X1, X2, all the way through Xn <coughs> represents the N values uh, of the variable X. So, um, so, uh, so does, does X, so in this, in this classroom, um, what, would, what would be something that X would represent? If, if I was doing, if, if you guys were, were a sample, um, what could X represent? Height. Okay. Could X represent um, Rachel? Why not? Uh, well, X1. So let's say X, X1 is Rachel, X2 is McKay, X3 is Timothy. Is that... Yeah. Okay. And so then what would um, one be, what is two, and what is all the way through n? What do what, what, what those correspond with in this, if this classroom was our sample? Uh-huh. Exactly. So, and, and I think the reason why I make that distinction is it's really important because these, these little... Um, denoters are going to be flying all over the place. And it's easy to think, OK, um, x is, is the person. Wait, no, x is, is the variable. Wait, is x the value? And what's the number one? Is that the value? Or you know? And so um, x is, um, is the variable. And so and we're, we're going to be looking at tons of variables. And their variables are measuring a characteristic about 
uh, the unit. And so the unit, you know, so x1 is going to be the variable, let's say height, um, its value for the first person, which will be Rachel. And so then it's important to kind of see that it isn't, um, it isn't flipped around or other ways. So um, the x is always the value of the variable for that person. Um, so then if, um, so we can use an example, um, x, so the x in this case equals the number of body piercings. <coughs> and so then we have body piercings, and then this first row is the first person, uh, x1 equals 6, x2 equals 0, x3 equals 1, and so it's, this is sort of how we're constructing our, our mathematical uh, formula. And so um, the sample mean, and again, it's important to note that we're looking at sample mean versus the population mean. It's, and then this is uh, x bar. So the other one was p hat. This one is x bar. So important to know that distinction uh, is the average. And it's computed by adding up all the numbers and dividing by the number of cases. And so here's um, the, the formula for how that would work. So x bar takes all of the, the values for the variable x for each person, adds them all up, and then divides by n, the total number in the sample. Any, does this, any confusion on, on this in particular? Do you guys like seeing things like this? Is that helpful or more? Yeah. I like it. You like it or it's helpful? It's helpful. I like it. I think it's helpful. Okay. I don't understand what Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so. I'm very visual, so it helps me to feel like that. Okay. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's probably more intimidating than it really is. Um, and, and the key is just sort of breaking down, okay, what are each of these symbols representing? Um, and so x bar is, is, what is the thing that we're trying to compute. It's the mean value for, for all these cases. And then x1, again, is the value of, um, for respondent 1 of what, whatever the variable is. So this one would be body piercings. Um, so then, so that was all mean. Another measure of center, like the center of the distribution, would be median. And the sample median is the middle value uh, when the data is ordered. Um, and that's kind of confusing. It's basically the the middle the the middlemost value. And I guess you, quantitative data is ordered, so it's going to be the middle one. Um, so then even if there are, there's an even number of values, the median uh, is the average of the two middle values. And this is much more confusing than it needs to be. But basically, if you have a distribution of values and you count all the way into the middle, but if you have an even number of values, you're going to have, there's not going to be a true middle. There's going to be two that are in the middle. So what do you do? Well, you take those two values, you add them together, and divide by two and that will give you your median value. Um, so, 
Let's see. So I guess, yeah, I mean, median is a pretty easy one. I mean, there's no formula for it. You just sort of, let's say, oh, this will be good. We can do, what's, what's the median uh, age in this, in this class? Um, so we'll start with Timothy. 19. 19. Gosh, you guys are gonna make this. <laughs> 19. 19. Oh, this is beautiful. So what's so um, the way we find the median for this? You might say it's it's. 19 just because there's so many, but basically the way to do it, um, what's our sample? What's our sample size? Six. six. So n equals six. So you go half of that, one, two, three, um, and then try and find the middle, but there is no middle because it's even. So it's taking these two values, adding them together, dividing by two equals 19. So, but it's, it's basically just sort of counting into the center, finding the center, and that's going to be the median. Um, and then another thing to sort of be aware of when you're looking at, um, when you're exploring your data, is uh, outliers. And an outlier is a value that is notably different from the other values. Um, and so like with this example, do you notice any particular outlier? 99, okay, let's see, oh, good, you got it. That's an outlier. And so, um, what about this one? Is this an outlier? Why, I mean, that's that's like the highest um, highest line in this distribution. Because everything over on that side is relatively high. Okay. It's the highest, but it's not above and beyond everything. Okay, yeah. Well, and, and really, so, an outlier is going to be an individual value. So it's, um, so it's okay if, I mean, it actually is sort of would be expected that you'd have a lot of values um, stacked together. It's when you have sort of isolated value, individual values. So outliers are, are always going to be individual values that sort of are different from the rest of the values, um, whereas all of these are kind of clumped together, so they're not notably different from each other. Um, then there's a, a term called resistance, um, which is helpful to know um, when you're doing analyses. It says a statistic, so like mean or median, um, is, is resistant if it's not heavily affected by outliers. And so it says uh, that the median is resistant, uh, the mean is not resistant. So. Another way of saying is that um, the median value for a distribution is not affected by outliers. So even with the text messages, if you, um, even with that one with 99 text messages, when you're finding the median, it's not going to affect, um, the nine, number 99 isn't going to affect the median. But it will affect the mean because it's going to pull the average number of texts that people send, really, it's going to pull it up. Um, so if, if you look at it this way, number of text messages sent per, per day, if you include that outlier of 99 texts, the mean number of texts per day is 32.6. Um, the median number is 8. 
Whereas if we if we took out that one value, 99, and said that that was a mistake and we, and we throw it away or something, and then we calculate the mean, the mean drops down to nine texts per day. Um, so whereas the median stays the same. And so that's sort of um, what it means by saying the median is resistant, like it's not effective whether the outlier's in or out, whereas the mean, and this is, this is you know, if, if you're gonna say, if you're gonna do a study on um, the number of texts that students send, it's very different to say, to infer that they send 32.6 texts per day on average versus 9.2. You're gonna be kinda like, well, which one is it? Like, should I, you know, and so then you need to investigate your data and sort of go back and see why did that one person say 99? Because that's really throwing off our averages. Um, so then dealing with outliers, um, when calculating statistics that are not resistant to outliers, look for outliers and decide whether the outlier is a mistake. So you can't just sort of um, say, oh, 99, that's wrong. Because that's maybe what the person does and that needs to be taken into account. Um, so if it isn't sort of, you know, if you, you could go back and look at the survey and see, oh, they really put down nine, but we wrote, but we coded it in as 99, then you can fix the mistake. But if it's not a mistake, um, you have to decide whether the outlier is part of your population of interest or not. Like, are we interested, you know, do we want to keep this in? Um, and so the, the quick fix for it is for outliers that are not a mistake, it's best to run the analysis twice once with the outliers and once without, and, and see how much the outliers affect the result. So it's a quick way to handle outliers. Um, then with um, measures of center, um, so this is maybe sort of brings all together with, with quantitative variables. And so you have distribution of NHL player salaries, and these are their salaries along here, salary in millions. So there's two million, four million, six, eight, ten. What, um, what's the shape of this um, distribution? Right skewed. Why is it right skewed? It's skewed to the right. It's skewed to the right. <laughs> hey, that's good. So the, the values are sort of stretched out um, in the right direction. Um, so then if we look at, um, what is this telling us right here? The what? Close. Medium. So, and it's good. I mean, it's good that we're kind of going through this because they might just put it up like this and, and you're kind of expected to know little m means median. Um, so, um, so this is the median value. And how did they, they basically calculated that by just counting all the way till they got to the middle value and there it is. Um, and then what's this? Yes, the same. oh, very good, sample average. Um, and so, um, so you see that the median is different um, from the sample average or sample mean. Um, why, can someone give uh, an explanation of why X bar, the mean, is sort of to the right of the median? Because it's right skewed, so there's that, like, the 90 the average Yep. Yep. So um, let's see if let me see if I put an example in. 
Um, so uh, if, if these values weren't out there and it was sort of all clumped more towards the center, um, what, would ha what, what direction would x bar move in? To the left. Yeah. So at a certain point, if, it's, if the shape is symmetric, then the median and the mean are going to be more or less the same. Um, so it's, it's a helpful thing to kind of know. You can tell just by looking at these two numbers whether your data is right skewed or less skewed or symmetric. And so that, that could be a, a question. I could just give you two values like this without even showing you the distribution. And I could say, what's, what's the, the shape of the distribution? And so if, if the median and the mean are basically equal to each other, you could say, oh, it's a symmetric distribution. Or if um, x bar is to the left of the median or, or lower than the median, you'd say, oh, it's, it's left skewed. So, um, so mean is pulled in the direction of the skewness. So then uh, for the assignment, um, you're actually going to get this. We'll, we'll look at part two real quick. Um, but you're going to have an opportunity to gather descriptive uh, data on your on your variables, and so let me just pull that up. So now I'll, I'll walk you through this. Um, but basically, using the same website that we've been using, uh, there's a way to sort of um, what you've done before is just looking at the variable, look at the variable question. Now we can actually sort of compute the mean or other other descriptive statistics. So someone give me uh, a quantitative variable. What do you say? Age. age. Okay. So then, wait, age isn't a good, that's a good one, but it's um, because age is so spread out. Uh, let's see, maybe we'll try it. We'll see if it, see if it works. So you type it in right up here, age. So that's the variable. Um, and then there's a couple of things you're going to want to click. Uh, down here is summary statistics. And we'll put in question text, because that's an important thing to kind of have. And then another would be, um, over here, a bar chart. And so then you go down here, and you run the table. And so then what it does is it opens up and it's sort of it's going to start by showing you all of these all of the values that are out there. And then oh yeah, I guess it does it. Um, so then right here is the summary statistics. So the the what's the sample mean of the people in the GSS? What? The sample mean age. is uh, 44.32. Now the median is 42. So just by looking, oh, I shouldn't show you this. So just by looking at that, um, <laughs> what skewed is it? If, if the mean is 44.32 and the median is less, is 42. Chelsea? Um, so the, the mean is 44.32 and the median is 42. Right skewed, so it's sort of like the, it's um it's weighted towards the right side or, or higher aged people. 
Um, but so then this gives you the visual display. And, and see, this is where this visual display isn't particularly helpful. What, what I think could be more helpful is if you put them into bins of 10-year increments or five-year increments. So it's just not, I mean, this is just like overwhelming to look at this. Um, but um, so, so for the assignment, you're going to be um, providing, so for the quantitative variables, the mean, the median, and then the shape of, of the distribution. So you can look at it this way, and it shows you it's right skewed. Um, and then let's do one more. Someone give me a categorical variable. Gender. Let's see how that works. Yeah, that works. So then same thing, and then you basically hit run the table. And so with, um, with categorical variables, we're interested in proportions. And so all that information is actually right here. Um, and it's basically saying that in this sample, the sample proportion for males is 45.5%, whereas the sample proportion for females is 545 um, What's interesting, and I've, I've never fully figured this out, but they also provide like the mean. But that's not really helpful for categorical variables. Because what does it mean that the, the, the mean gender is, is 54? It actually, there's a way to, it actually does explain to you that, that it's the same as the proportion. But um, So that's what I want you to do for three uh, quantitative variables. Find uh, the mean, median, and shape. And then for three categorical variables, find the proportion. And, um, and do it um, over e or type it up or whatever, because you're going to want to keep a running list. Yeah? So the proportion, do you want just, like, do you want comparative ones or just one? Just one. One, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to show one more to kind of illustrate. So this is an interesting one. If you look at the variable race, and you're like, OK, what's the proportion of race? And you pull it up, what do you guys notice about, about this variable? That wouldn't be what you would expect, maybe. So, um, a lot of the time, it's broken down into more races. Uh huh. It's just like black, white, others. Yeah. Exactly. So, so again, this is where it's important to look at the data of saying, okay, wait, this might not be the right race variable that I'm interested in because I want to know about Hispanics and Asians and stuff. So, very good. If you have questions, feel free to email me. <laughs>